This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, signing day time, lots to discuss time. Mostly a drama-free day for Tennessee time. I think definitely a good day for Tennessee time. Certainly lots that we need to discuss about a time, and let's go do that time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Govals 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here late on a Wednesday afternoon. It's four days before Christmas, so hope uh, hope you've got your shopping done at this point because uh, good luck with all that. Uh, for people who celebrate Hanukkah, hope that's going well for you. I hope everything in your holidays, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you're celebrating it, hope you're with your family, hope you're having a good time, hope, uh, hope all is well in your world. Uh, we will be a little bit briefer on this episode than we would like to be because there is a Tennessee basketball game here uh, in less than an hour and a half from the time we're recording this. So I got to get over and cover that thing. And uh, the guy that I'm going to be joined uh, by here in just a second, he also has some stuff he's got to go do. Plenty, plenty day, plenty for him to do today. Busy, busy day of the year. Because recruiting never stops, but this is certainly uh, one of the busier days. And uh, so you, I think you know where we're going. Let's go to that home daycare center and get to Ryan Callahan. Ryan, what's up, man? Oh, uh, not much. Just, uh, you know, doing some Christmas shopping and, you know, fi- finding some ways to kill time. Just kidding. It's been pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here staring at a whole bunch of stuff that has to be wrapped. And I'm like, when is this possibly going to happen? I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that, it's that time of year where it's like, Oh God. See, we're, see, it's always trouble. I mean, this is, you know, totally recruiting writer problems here, but you know, w- when signing day is on like the 20th or 21st, doesn't leave you with much time. You know, you got to find time to do some shopping and other stuff while all the craziness is going on. So these years, not ideal. Last year, signing day was on like the 15th or something. Those years are great. But this year, a little up against it time-wise. So got got some work to do the next couple of days. Yeah, I think we all do. And I hope, uh, seriously, I hope wherever y'all are, I hope you're, if you're listening to this while you're dra- traveling over the holidays, please be safe. There's lots of idiots out there on the road and, uh, you know, airports are always kind of frustrating at times so i uh, just hope everything is is well hope you're spending it with the people that you love and hope hope uh you, if you live in the knoxville area i hope you've got a warm coat because uh, christmas eve i think the wind chill's going to be between minus 10 and minus 20 at times uh the latest forecast so good luck with all of that nonetheless Wes, i think you forgot to mention that if you don't see any idiots out on the road you might be the idiot that's true if you don't if somebody if if there's a sucker out there and you can't see who it is you're the sucker Basically, that's that's a rule for life. Uh, Ryan, a big, big day for Tennessee. The Vols uh, came into the day with a with a top ten class. The Vols didn't have any losses from that class. The Vols actually added to it. Um, got got a local 
player, uh, Deshaun Bishop, who who was you know two-time Mr. Football winner uh, in 5A in Tennessee, the second-leading rusher in the history of, of Tennessee high school football down there at Carnes High School, uh, just a few miles away from Tennessee's campus. So uh, he had been committed to Coastal Carolina, switches over to Tennessee on signing day. The Vols getting, a, getting an addition there. Also getting a, uh, a non-traditional sort of signing day addition from a transfer, a linebacker uh, from from BYU, a, um, a, a I think a, a pretty good player, a kid with almost 200 tackles during his time in Provo, a Provo native, and a guy who was a captain there for for BYU, a guy who a lot of SEC schools wanted. So, good day, I, I think, for Tennessee today, wrapping this thing up. Yeah, I, I think you'd have to say so. Any, any national, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call this, we're essentially starting to call it National Sign yeah. Day more and more now. But any national sign day that you can go through where there's essentially no drama and you don't lose anybody is a pretty good day um, for the most part. Now that there might be exceptions to that. Some years you might have, um, you know, you might have a long list of targets and you miss out on them and it turns out to be a quiet day. That wouldn't be so good. In this case, Tennessee had very few names, uh, really only a couple that we were even aware of that Tennessee was really involved with going into, uh, into signing day. That were in the 2023 class. Uh, obviously, some irons in the fire in the transfer portal, and that ended up being kind of the the, the big news of the day uh, for for Tennessee as far as additions went. But you know, still had some highly ranked players out there who were not yet locked in with Tennessee. So you know, you get five star defensive lineman David Hobbs locked in, Ethan Davis, the highly ranked tight end, uh, longtime commitment uh, signs with no no issues there. Uh, and you get guys like Cameron Seldon, the four-star athlete out of Virginia, to, to go ahead and sign. And, and really no concerns, and there were no concerns down the stretch with those guys. I know there was one report from our Maryland site that kind of floated uh, Seldon's name as one mm-hmm. that Maryland had tried with. Uh, you know, there, was, there was no reason, though, going into signing day to think that there was any real chance of a, of a flip there. Um, you never know in the NIL era. Crazier things have happened, as we've seen in some places across the country. But uh, but there was really no reason to think Tennessee was in any danger, and they weren't, as it turned out. So um, those remaining nine commitments were were able to sign without incident, and, and Tennessee gets out with what's, you know, at, as of this recording, still a borderline top ten class, and mm-hmm. we'll see where it ends up uh, at the at the end end of the day, as a, a few more things are still happening throughout the evening. Um, we'll, we'll see where it is at the end of the day, and also, of course, in February. Uh, on uh, the traditional national signing day, but for now, 25 commitments, uh, a, a borderline top 10 class, and and no defections on signing day itself. Pretty good day overall. Yeah, and and we should mention uh, the young man's name, uh, Keenan Peely, who had. It sounds a lot like Keenan Peel when you say it, which is which is kind of fun. It, I had that thought too. <laughs> yeah, it's the very first thing that came through my head when when I when I saw the the kid's name, and a lot of SEC schools wanted this this young man. He he certainly. Uh, was a good player at Utah and, and a guy who, you know, is from, went to high school at, in Provo and then, you know, went to BYU. BYU. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's oh, yeah. what I mean. I'm sorry. So, so getting him to, to, to transfer like that, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that, that's a good thing for Tennessee. Like linebacker was a position of, of serious need. And if you can get a guy, we'll see how he, he translates to the SEC and everything. But, you know, football is becoming more of a universal thing where everybody's spreading the field. Better linemen in the SEC usually, but still a lot of the game is the same. And this kid's been productive. And, you know, there, there's a lot to like about this addition, I think. No, no question. Six, six foot three, 237 pounds is what he's listed at on, on BYU's roster. If that's, that's accurate. That's a really good size linebacker. Obviously, uh, a guy who's played a lot of football uh, had 62 tackles this year, which tied for second on the team. Uh, he was a team captain. 
Uh, and he's a, he's an older guy uh, because he's been on a, a mission trip that took two years out of his mm-hmm. uh, college career and kind of put things on hold for a couple of years there. This is the guy who was originally in the 2016 class uh, coming out of high school. So he's going to be a, an older player compared to, to most of his teammates for sure. And, uh, and that's, that's not a bad thing in a lot of cases. We've seen Tennessee with those types of guys. Hendon Hooker, you know, he, he wasn't even that old um, compared to what, what, uh, what Peely will be next season. But still, uh, having those types of veteran guys who are well beyond their teenage years, there's some value in that, I, I think. You know, there's a reason those guys are usually playing in the NFL around that age. And, and you get, you know, some maturity and, and leadership, I think, from some, some of those guys sometimes. Makes sense that he was a team captain uh, at BYU. So, uh, between the production, the experience, the size, the you know clearly the athleticism, uh, and as you said, the other teams that were in the mix for him, uh, Peely told me that he was planning to take visits in early January. There, there's a window for transfer portal players to take visits. Um, the, a, a dead period, of course, started on Monday that you know lasts for almost four weeks, I think it is, uh, it, basically into mid-January. But for transfers only, there's a five-day visit window from January 4 through January 8. He was going to take some additional visits during that window, and he mentioned specifically Florida, Auburn, and he said maybe Texas A&M were, were the three other schools he kind of had pegged for visits. Um, but after visiting Tennessee, and that was his first stop, didn't really feel the need to continue looking around and, and just said he knew, he knew what he wanted basically this time around and, and really found it right away at Tennessee. So um, saw a good opportunity for himself there. And uh, definitely, I think, a nice pickup for Tennessee. They've, they've addressed some needs right off the bat uh, in, in the transfer portal. Still a lot of work to do. You know, receiver, they, they, that's a position they clearly still need to address. But to already have an offensive lineman, a tight end, a linebacker, and, and underrated but still a need, a kicker, mm-hmm. uh, they, they went, they've already gone out and gotten four, four spots filled that were, were positions I think they felt they absolutely needed to fill going into next season. Yeah, and, and to get this in, but you know, sneaking ahead of some SEC teams who were maybe going to try to get him in for visits. That that's a big deal, and, and that was one that Tennessee sort of. Uh, sometimes in this business, we have to just kind of tip our cap and be like, "All right, good job keeping that one under the radar." They 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 flew that one well under the radar. They did a really nice job, which is hard to do in this era, um, but they did it, and they got a big big addition here and a young man who I say young man. I mean, I guess he's still a young man technically. Depends on your perspective. Uh, certainly older for a college football player, but. You know, a kid who his brother played on the defensive line at BYU. Um, his his dad's cousin played at BYU. He's from Provo. Uh, so I guess he just thought, you know, I want to go out and see a different part of the country. I want to go out and do something different. So a big, big, big time addition there for Tennessee, a guy who could fill a really serious need uh, with, with, with at the linebacker position. We all know that. I think before we go to break, though, we should talk a little bit more about Deshaun Bishop. Uh, Ryan, I, I know that this is a young man who who you certainly know, obviously, better better than I do. Um, but this is just kind of a good story, right? This kid had some, you know, he kind of wanted to go to Tennessee. He was committed to Coastal Carolina for a while. He kind of was waiting on the opportunity to have a chance at Tennessee. And lo and behold, here on signing day, he gets one. Kind of a kind of a good story. Yeah, de- definitely. And and these are the types of players that, uh, you know, it, we hear so, so many questions uh, and have over the years about in-state players. You know, is Tennessee looking at this guy? Uh, why haven't they offered this guy? People love to see in-state players, uh, that, that especially that are as productive as Deshaun Bishop has been uh, throughout his career, the second second leading rusher in Tennessee state history, and, and to 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 have that kind of resume. You know, we've been getting questions about him quite a bit, obviously, over the past couple of years. 
and everyone kind of knew the situation that, uh, you know, he, he didn't, his recruitment didn't completely take off in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I thought he would get a few more power five offers, frankly, still had, you know, Michigan state, Virginia tech, um, Purdue ha- had some, some other power five teams that were in there. Uh, but none of those were really involved uh, at the end. It really came down to Tennessee and Appalachian State. Um, and, and Appalachian State hosted him on official visit this past weekend. But Tennessee wins out. He, you know, he clearly showed continued interest in Tennessee going back to, to Neyland Stadium for, he says, every home game this season. Uh, I know he was there on a regular basis. I thought there was a game or two he missed. He says he was at every one. So uh, regardless, he... He spent a lot of time over there, continued to make it clear that even though he was committed to Coastal Carolina at the time, um, he, he, he really was interested in Tennessee and still, still thought that could be the fit for him if things worked out. And, uh, you know, Tennessee didn't push for him before he committed to Coastal Carolina. But, you know, the, obviously there, there, was a, there was a path to him ending up at Tennessee, and, and it worked out for him. So I think it's a nice, uh, nice pickup for the Vols. And, you know, I, I, I've kind of called it a lottery ticket for Tennessee. It's a nice late flyer to take on a guy that, you know, fills a spot, fills a need at running back. And, you know, if it doesn't work out in the, in the transfer portal era, it, you know, there's no 25 limit anymore. There's no harm in taking a swing at a guy like this. And if you find out a year or two into it that it's just not going to work out, as we've already seen with Justin Williams-Thomas, he can transfer out quickly. You know, if you, if you figure it out that it's just not the right fit, no, no harm, no foul. You move on, you find another one next year. Um, but there, there's really not much of a downside to taking a swing on a guy like this that I think has some real upside. And if it, if it hits, it could hit big, you know, Deshaun Bishop, I think has enough talent that he could be a pretty productive player in the sec, in my opinion. So we'll see how it works out. But I, I think, you know, locally having evaluated this guy, Tennessee clearly knows what it's getting. Uh, he, he was at a camp last summer going into his junior year, ran a four five five forty at that camp that was hand-timed, um, but still it, usually in the ballpark with hand timings. And, and I think they, they like the speed, you know, he's 5'10", 196, decent size, not the, not the biggest back by any means, but not a, uh, not a guy that can't run between the tackles and ran with some power in high school too. So uh, I like his game and I think he's got a chance to, to work out for Tennessee. So I think that's a nice late addition at running back and, you know, potentially could uh, could give them some upside there that they've they kind of been missing, frankly, in some of their past running back classes. Yeah, I, I've said this before. I don't need to rehash it too much because we're sort of pressed for time here. But I, there's something, there's just something about the guy. You, you hear the word football player a lot, and I think sometimes you, we kind of use that maybe a little too much. But but when you look at him, I don't know how else to describe him because he's he, he's he's got good size but not great size. He's got solid speed but not great speed. Uh, he just is hard to tackle. The kid runs hard. He consistently wiggles his way out of trouble. Uh, you'll see him kind of run into piles and then run out of them, keep his legs driving. He's got some wiggle to him. He's some quickness. There's just something about the kid that he's just he's just a football player. And 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 to take a to take a flyer, you know, if you want to call it that, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but to sort of just you know take a swing on this kid and see what happens. I, I, I like it because you know y- you don't want another. Not, not that I'm. That it would be exactly like this because it's a different story, obviously. But you don't want like another Randall Cobb situation, right? That's like the worst case scenario for for a, a college football program is to have a local kid who, if you kind of pushed hard for you, you would have gotten if you'd pushed hard and smarter, and then he goes somewhere else and he's really good. Like you just hate to, th- those things drive you nuts, right? Yeah, I, I, I think in this day and age, with all the transfer portal additions that we're continuing to see on a yearly basis. Uh, it, it 
it kind of gives you gives schools, I think, a little bit more incentive to be uh, to to take some swings like this because you're going to end up taking some swings in the transfer portal if not. You know, that's that's essentially what these final spots in a class can come down to. It's either it's either going to be you go down to a high school guy that's maybe you know next on your board or or somewhere in that next tier. Or you, or you save that spot and you, and you use it on a transfer that you know maybe isn't a sure thing there either. Always just depends on what you can find. But if it's me, I, I, I like taking some swings like this because I think you need to, you need to get some guys who, as, as Josh Heupel said Wednesday, can develop in your program, can be multiple-year players. Um, th- that's where you find high upside. You, you, too many players in the transfer portal – you you either don't know what you're getting or in some cases you do and it's a bad thing you know you you know that there's a certain ceiling on a on a, on a player because of what you've seen uh, at his previous schools so, so a lot of the players in the transfer portal are just okay uh, with Deshaun Bishop you know again r- running back's a weird position I, I've I, I've seen so many guys work out over the years Wes you know this I mean there's there's big backs that aren't that fast that have had 15 year NFL careers yep. that just hang around and keep getting, keep getting jobs and, and are hugely productive in, in college, you know, Ron Dane, you know, guys like that, a uh, different era back then, but you know, these big guys that are great players um, and they're not, you know, Emmett Smith, obviously one of the all time greats was not a blazing fast or big guy. Just there, there's something, there's something intangible about the running back position that makes it hard to peg what makes a great one. So you can't ever really rule out anybody. And then you see guys like Kenneth Walker come out of, come, come out of uh, uh, West Tennessee and have, have hardly any offers uh, from big time programs and strike, strike it big and, and go on and, and play uh, at a major program and play their way into a big NFL opportunity. So you just don't know, especially at that position, offensive line is, a, is another tricky one, but running back to me is one of those. If you see a guy that you like, it's it's often worth the roll of the dice, and, and I at least see some upside there. It's Deshaun Bishop that I I, I like this pickup for Tennessee, and, and yeah, especially locally, uh, people like seeing the the hometown kids play at, at Tennessee. It's been a while since they had one uh, at, at running back. Uh, you know, I guess Devron Young was probably the last one, right? So um, yeah, would have been. But, I think yeah, I, th- I don't think I'm missing anyone. So uh, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's as you said, potentially a good story, and we'll, we'll see how it works out for him, but. Uh, but but happy for Deshaun that, that it is going to work out and uh, and and yeah I think you know again this is a a pickup with some potential for Tennessee always a chance it won't work out but I, I think there really is some upside there where Tennessee could be getting more than just uh, you know a depth running back this could be someone who really helps them in the next few years that's true and uh, that that's what this thing is right it's a you're 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 taking a chance on every single player that you bring in even Nico Iamaliava you're taking a chance you're you're taking a bet that you think this kid's going to be good some are bigger bets than others but. Still, I, I like that addition. I like those feel-good kind of hometown stories. Those are those are always good. And I say what I always say on signing day: I want kids to go where they want to go, uh, and 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 I hope where they want to go, not like where they're the people around them or or anything else where they want to go. And it seemed pretty clear that this is where this young man wanted to go. So I'm happy for him that he gets to do that. But Tennessee also uh, signed a bunch of other guys on on Wednesday, a bunch of guys who who we knew were going to be Tennessee football players or, or figured they were going to kind of 
honor their commitments and stick with Tennessee, and um, and and they did. So we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the class in general. What's kind of missing from it? What 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 do we think about it overall, etc. But before we do that, we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then be right back here on the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Hashtag ad. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center there on the other side of town talking about a uh, signing day. Big, big day for Tennessee. The Vols have, have added uh, more than a couple dozen new players. Uh, of course, a couple of them were, a bunch of them were already here. They had already enrolled. They were already going through practices. All that kind of stuff, uh, you know, get the bowl practice and, and all that. So, so a lot of them were here already. A lot of them we knew were going to be commitments. A couple of uh, of of late additions, um, but but mostly a drama free, no bad drama for Tennessee on Sunday day, which is always a good thing. And we got a lot to discuss about that. But before we do that, just a quick um, request from our end: if you could take about a minute out of your day, let's say sixty seconds, seventy five seconds, ninety seconds tops, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We sure would appreciate it. If you're just listening there on the website at GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee athletics, nothing wrong with that. We, 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 we're good with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Apple, you know, Google Podcasts, certainly um, you know, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Amazon. There's all kinds of places. Every single place you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoBalls 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. However, I think since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, and hit that subscribe button. Uh, tell your friends, uh, tell, tell your family, tell people you see over the holidays, tell people you see out doing last-minute Christmas shopping. If you're like, hey, you don't see anything here, you, you probably know a Tennessee fan, right? Why don't you give them uh, the gift of GoVols247.com, right? It's um, sort of like uh, sort of like uh, the gift that keeps giving. So, So do that for somebody. You know, that person that you go talk to, whether you see them on the golf course, you see them out there at church, 
anyone that you see out there. That could be your new best friend. That could be your new spouse, for, for God's sakes. That could be, there are so many possibilities if you just go out and tell people about this Go Ball 24-7 podcast. Pay it forward. We believe in that. If you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ryan, after we uh, give everybody a heads up that this is a really good time to go sign up for GoVols247.com, where you can get uh, one of the best deals of, of the year right now on signing day. So go check that out. We, we highly recommend people going and doing that. Now that we've said that, back to business. There is um, always a lot of, not always, usually a lot of drama throughout the recruiting process, right? You you get late commitments, late flips. I mean, we've seen it even on TV today. You know, Oregon seems like it's added half the United States to its roster. You know, things like this can happen late in the process. It, it's This is sort of now the de facto signing day. Um, but it wasn't really a dramatic day for Tennessee, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. The Vols did a lot of their work, a uh, good part of it early. Obviously, getting a kid like Nico Iamaliava, that's a big, big deal. That's a great building block for the class. Went out and got some other guys. And then it became a question down the stretch, if you remember, and we said this several times on the podcast, it wasn't necessarily about what Tennessee added. In some cases, it was, will Tennessee hold on to these kids? And with, you know, obviously one major exception, defensive back uh, Sylvester Sly Smith uh, on the Sly, uh, flipped from Tennessee to Auburn, the, the in-state kid down there in Alabama. Good for him. Got to stay in his home state and go where he wanted to go to school. But that was a, a loss for Tennessee. Other than that, though, Ryan, Tennessee sort of held serve down the stretch, and that was – it's maybe not as exciting, but it's a really, really important thing. Yeah, you're exactly right. I, I... – I think there was one year toward the end of Butch Jones's tenure. Uh, I want to say 2016, but maybe it was 2017. E- either way, they had uh, a class toward the end there where just nothing happened on on National Sign Day. They didn't really add anybody. It was just sort of dead, and and that felt like a huge letdown to fans at the time because that was that was during a time when that didn't happen too often. Um, now, you know, I, I heard some complaints about this on Wednesday a little bit because. I think I think some fans thought it's just the way things are going to be now with the transfer portal uh, also being in play at the same time. You know, is this just how how high school classes and everything are, are going to get wrapped up? But at the same time, I think this is just sort of how Tennessee's class happened to play out. You know, they they had some of their top targets commit in the final weeks leading up to signing day. You know, David Hobbs and mm-hmm. Arian Carter; those guys could have taken it to the finish line uh, if Carter hadn't enrolled early you know he would have uh or, or, or arrived for bowl practices he would have been announcing january 7 at the all-american bowl so he would have still been uncommitted technically today um and then david hobbs you know d- could have taken it a few weeks farther but just decided to go ahead and do it the day after thanksgiving so you, you just happen to have some guys like that that made decisions a little bit earlier and, and tennessee had had most of its class locked up for a long time and you know, some of the guys that they were pursuing down the stretch just didn't didn't pan out. Uh, did, some of the possibilities didn't turn into much, and you know, it just worked out that it was that it was sort of quiet. So I, I, I wouldn't expect this to be the norm just because of you know the transfer portal and everything else and the way it's changed uh, with the with the, all the things that are that are sort of in play this time of year. And, and just look at some other teams. Some of Tennessee's SEC rivals have had pretty big days or pretty dramatic finishes. You know, there've been a lot of swings. Uh, for some other SEC teams, so I, I wouldn't get used to this. This is just sort of a weird year, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all, and I think it's a, it's a compliment to Tennessee, frankly, and the types of, 
I guess the types of relationships and fits they found with a lot of these guys, they just, it, it seemed pretty clear for, for a while now that most of these guys were, were set with Tennessee and, the, and uh, they, they were not likely to go anywhere else. You never say never in recruiting, of course, but it just didn't feel like they had many guys who were even interested in looking around. And, and there's, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, when you're building a culture and this staff really believes in that, when you're building a culture and that's part of your, your, your success on the field, I, I think there is something to be said for finding guys who want to be there and who just aren't, aren't looking to go anywhere else in, in recruiting. You know, that's not the end of the world if, if guys play the field and continue to take visits. But when they don't, I think it does say something about the level of buy-in that you have and just the, 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 the enthusiasm for what they're coming into. And I think they have that with this class. Yeah, and I think they've also – addressed a fair amount of needs in this class, right? Like if you ask a college football coach, right, they never have enough depth anywhere. You know, that that's just how they feel. I mean, they have, you know, NFL guys, NFL, you know, has what, the 53-man the and then like 48 or 45 or whatever it is that you get to play with in a game. You know, college football programs have usually twice that many on scholarships, and yet they still never feel like they have enough depth anywhere. It's just kind of the way those guys are built. They always think, you know, got to have more, got to have more. But Tennessee did have some some real genuine needs in this class. I don't know if all of them were addressed, but it looks to me like a fair amount of them were addressed. And I think in places where they needed to get some help in the portal, they've already done that now. And, and in places where they needed to kind of fortify the old-fashioned way, they've done that too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing is this class uh, and every fan that, uh, that watched Tennessee this year and, and was frustrated at times with what they saw in defense, everyone's clamoring for what? Defensive help. And, and I think a lot of that is on the way. And that's, that's the big thing Tennessee has gotten in this class. That's not to say they don't have some very good offensive players, too, because they do. Um, and, and especially, obviously, you know, Nico Iamaliava, which I've said for a long time, his success or lack thereof is going to define this class. It's going to go a long way toward defining this class. If he's a bust, you know, it's going to be hard for people to look back at this class and say that was the one that, that sort of changed it all for Tennessee. But if he, if he pans out, you know, every, everything else is probably you're gonna you're gonna have enough hits throughout the rest of the class that it's probably gonna be seen as a really good class that helped to help to build on what Tennessee did this season. Um, so th- so obviously that's an important piece. But what they did on defense really has a chance to to sort of transform Tennessee's defense over the next couple of years. I mean, they, they really do have some high upside players uh, at, at all three levels really in yeah. this class. Yeah. You know, David Hobbs. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Uh, one of the last additions to this class uh, on on defense, but just a huge pickup to beat out Georgia and Alabama for that caliber of defensive lineman out of the state of North Carolina, a guy with no no family ties to Tennessee, no no natural end that Tennessee had. Um, they just they just won a, a big time recruiting battle over a couple SEC rivals that they don't they don't beat a whole lot for for out of state players, uh, at least in those kinds of head to head battles. And then in the secondary, you know, five defensive backs already on campus, uh, three of them at cornerback, and all three corners are six feet or taller with yep. pretty long arms, and they can run. Um, that's I, I said for a while. I think it's the best tennis, the best cornerback class Tennessee has signed in more than a decade, and, and I don't have much hesitation at all in saying that. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, well see how t- they Tennessee, pan out. Ha- Tennessee hadn't recruited a, a, consistently recruited at a high level with high school corners. Yeah, exactly. And, and and honestly, it goes back to the Philip Fulmer era. It's not even just, you know, the last few coaches at Tennessee. It's a position that's always been a struggle for Tennessee for one reason or another. And sometimes when they've gotten highly ranked defensive backs, 
they've been guys like Eric Berry who found their way to safety pretty quickly and you end up with great safeties, but the corners are still an issue. So it's been, it's just been a tricky position for Tennessee over the years. And, and so this is, uh, you know, maybe may somewhat by default, but uh, that, that does, that doesn't give Tennessee enough credit though, for what they accomplished in this class, because they went out of state still to get all three of these guys, but they were all high, high on the board for Tennessee. Um, uh, among the, among the top several players on Tennessee's board at the cornerback position, and they got and, and they got all three after prioritizing them for months. Jordan Matthews, you know, probably the biggest upset of the three, but to, but to beat out Kentucky in what was a tooth and nail battle for Christian Conyer, mm-hmm. and to and to beat out Georgia for Ricky Gibson when it looked like he was headed to Georgia, and uh, just a week or so before his commitment, um, that's that. Th- those are three impressive wins, and obviously they they kind of stole. Um, at least the way Texas saw it, sort of stole uh, Jordan Matthews away from Texas and uh, what was sort of a well-kept secret uh, on, on Tennessee's end to kind of quietly win that one where, where Texas for a long time thought it was getting him. So those are all big-time talents that have a chance to you know, maybe make early impacts, Jordan Matthews especially in my opinion, but I think any of those guys, it wouldn't shock me if they played their way into the mix for some early playing time. And then at linebacker, Arion Carter, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about him quite a bit throughout the spring and summer. I have a feeling, you know, even with the addition uh, of, of Keenan Peely, I, I, I think there's a chance Arion Carter finds his way onto the field in some capacity this year, you know, maybe just a situational or, or backup player, but whatever the case, I, I think we'll see him out there because he's just a, he's just too much of a talent and a sharp kid to keep off the field, even if it's in a, um, part-time kind of role or as an injury replacement or whatever on special teams, he's going to make some sort of impact if I had to, if I had to guess this year. So um, that no doubt they, they've improved this defense uh, at all three levels. And let's not forget the edge rushers who are among the top players yes, in this class, yes, yes. Caleb, Caleb Herring and Sean Davian Bradley. I don't think those guys are as likely to make early impacts as hard to believe as that might be considering how highly ranked they are. I think they're more about the long-term potential and, uh, and, for the most part, you know, we'll see how Caleb Herring develops physically, but I think those guys might take a year or two to develop, but once they get there, they've got NFL potential. You know, they're, they're those kinds of players with that kind of length and, and, and motor getting off the, the edge that, that Tennessee's not had a whole lot. And you combine that with what they got in the last class with James Pierce and Josh Josephs, that's suddenly a pretty strong position in a couple of years if those guys really pan out. So uh, I, I think they really have started to transform this defense with this class and now it's a matter of developing those guys and, and building on that. But that this is certainly the start of what you need to build on defense to complement what's obviously one of the nation's top offenses uh, with what they have right now. Yeah, and that that's probably you know I hate to be saying this because I've we're sitting here as we're recording this. It's after five p.m. I got to get over to Thompson Bowling Arena by six p.m. and cover or at least partially cover a basketball game tonight. And I haven't uh, really formed totally the football column idea for the day, which is never a good thing. This is going to be a long evening. But but I think that that my takeaway from from this class it comes with a large caveat that Ryan is a recruiting guy and a great one, one of the best in the business. We got other guys who are among the best in the business. That is not my area of expertise. I will never claim that it is. However, to me, when I look at this class, the very first thing that I think is everyone's talking about Nico and they they're they should be. But the defense is where Tennessee has really, really helped itself here. Because, again, it's going to come down to, at the end of the day, you look at Tennessee the way people feel with Hendon Hooker and without Hendon Hooker, right? Like the quarterback is obviously more important than anything else. 
it is what it is, right? Not all positions are created equal. Quarterback's the most important one. We all know that. However, I think the work they've done on defense here, I really like this defensive line class for the upside. I love, obviously, everyone loves Arion Carter, right? That's just, I mean, he's just a fantastic looking prospect who may need to be rated even higher. I mean, that, that kid's a monster, had a huge senior season. And, and the cornerbacks, I don't think Tennessee's, I mean, I, Christian Conyer may be what the lowest rated of the bunch, and I really, really like that kid. You know, I, I think he's really, I think he's got got the chance, great length to be a really nice player. So I look at that defense. I mean, even Slaughter there at safety. I like what they've done there, and I think some of the guys on the back end of the class there, uh, at least in terms of the rankings, could be pretty solid players. I mean, you, you never know a guy like Vice and Lang, right? It's a big old, big old offensive lineman. Um, they're, they're, yep. they're, he could be a really, really good player. Uh, the you know Jeremiah T. Lander, you watch him on film, you see that's a pretty, pretty good looking linebacker there. They, they they've got a lot of pieces in this class. Trevor Duncan, right? Really intriguing guy. Uh, there, there's just a bunch of guys in this class who are rated lower who I think could be pretty solid players. So that's my two takeaways is that everyone's going to be talking about quarterback, and rightfully so, but really I think defense is where they've really helped themselves out. And then I think on the back end of this, Khalifa Keith too, running back. There's just some intri- intriguing talents on the back end there. And we haven't even – I haven't even really mentioned Ethan Davis much who could be an unbelievable tight end. Uh, Cameron Seldon's a guy who could do a lot of different things offensively and be a really nice player. You know, kind of in that Debo Samuel, not really sure what he is, but he's a good football player mold. So I I think there's a lot more. When you sign a top 10 class, you should have a lot more yays than nays. And I think I think they've done a really nice job here. I think so too. And 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 yeah, again, I think more of the the high upside, highly ranked guys are on defense. There's a there's a greater volume of them, but the ones they have on offense, to your point, are 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 pretty darn good. Uh, you know, Nico Yamaliava, obviously the the headliner, but you know, Nathan Leacock, a guy that everyone thought, eh, you're beating out North Carolina and NC State for a three-star wide receiver this summer. Well, now suddenly he's a top 100 prospect. Uh, that looks like a great evaluation by Tennessee. And, and all, they made already them. impressing people in practice, too. Josh Heupel said he's already made some plays that sort of, sort of wowed people in practice already. Yeah, I mean, the guy had, what, 1,700 yards and 23 touchdowns this season, had like three 200-yard games in his first eight games this season. Uh, just a monster senior year. And, and you know, talking with him about it uh, uh, last week before he arrived on campus, it sounds like he just – you know, they, they tried to spread the ball around in some of those games, and that's the only reason he wasn't more productive than he was. You know, he came out of some games at halftime because they were blowing teams out. So that could have been a 2,000-yard season if things had gone just a little bit differently. Um, he, he was he was really, really impressive. So, so yeah, he's a top 100 player nationally now, and that's, um, you know, it's not a big receiver class, but that's a that's a really strong uh, receiver to, to headline that group uh, potentially. And that's without knowing whether Cameron Seldon is going to play wide receiver. They listed him at wide receiver on signing day. That That is interesting uh, that he was listed as a receiver, not an athlete. So it does look like he'll he'll at least get his first look there. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I do think running back is a real possibility for him in the long run. Um, to, to, me, to me, Ryan, it might be who else, if they add anybody else to the class too, I think that could maybe play a factor a little bit because of some numbers maybe. Should be. Uh, and something something else that we'll, we'll see how this factors into it. You know, it's a it's a short-term and a long-term decision you've got to think about. But uh, I think there's some guys that are going to be banged up for Tennessee that, uh, after this season that, that might have to have some cleanups done, mm-hmm. uh, surgeries, things like that. And that, that might leave Tennessee with a little bit of a skeleton crew at running back this spring. Cameron Seldon will be on campus in January. So does that factor into it at all? Do they, do they, do they sort of make that a, a short-term 
uh, solution to a, to a short-term problem to say, hey, let's let's get you some work at running back early just to, to give us some depth there and see how you look. And, and then we'll go from there and figure out what's best for you. You know, that, that's a possibility. I don't, I don't know, but either way, uh, his position for the future is an interesting discussion and wherever he goes, uh, I, th- I think he's going to be someone to watch in this class for sure. So there's kind of a high ceiling player at every position group in this class. And there, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. Shamrod Umarov, you know, just outside the top 100 in 24 seven sports rankings on the offensive line. So, uh, and Ethan Davis, I'm glad you touched on him. I feel like he's almost kind of become a forgotten man. Cause, in this cause, yeah, because he recruited so, Cape Pennant so long ago. It, yeah, he committed more than a year ago, and he got hurt and, and didn't play at all his senior season, so there wasn't a chance for him to generate any buzz this fall, really. Uh, and that might have worked out in Tennessee's favor, not that they, they would have had any issues hanging on to him, but I think it, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing when a guy like that uh, stays under the radar a little bit because he's not playing games and uh, not giving teams a chance to – or a reason to to go after him late um, that that helped Tennessee get him to the finish line with zero drama. So uh, you know, a, a guy with who's still very raw hasn't played a lot of high school football, but uh, man, the, the the ceiling is is pretty high with him. So uh, I, I think all those guys pretty impressive. But you know, a, a couple other guys we haven't mentioned on defense. I wanted to throw in there, Tyree Weathersby. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like his potential on the defensive line. I think that's a, a really nice find by Tennessee. That you know, they didn't have to beat out some big time SEC schools for him, but I think he's the kind of guy that drew a little more interest after he committed for, uh, to Tennessee. And that's, you know, that that's one that I think people might look at in a couple of years and say, that was a really nice find a nice early evaluation by Tennessee because they, they prioritized him pretty early and, and, and didn't have a lot of competition at the time. It looked like kind of a, you know, maybe a head scratcher to some people. And I, I think he's, he's pretty highly regarded now by some of our analysts for sure. Uh, and then in the secondary, you, you mentioned him too, but John Slaughter, I, I've liked him since I saw him in person back in the spring think he covers a lot of ground and it makes a lot of plays on the ball. The kind of safety, the, the kind of like rangy, just good all around safety. They haven't had as much in recent years. Um, they, they, they've, they've had some guys like Trayvon flowers who are, you know, solid players, but just they've not, they've not covered as much ground and, and not been quite as fast back there as, as you need to be ideally in the sec. I think John slaughters a step in the right direction there. He's got a chance to, to, to continue to improve his speed, but I think he's a, he's pretty fast back there and, and has some natural ball skills that they've kind of been missing at that position. So if he reaches his potential, I really like him. I like that cornerback class. Jalen Smith at linebacker, another one I like. So, they, I mean, it's, it's a good class top to bottom. But, uh, you know, like you said, some of the lower-rated guys are the ones that, that, that make it kind of interesting. That's what you want in a class. You want to look at the three stars in a class and say, you know, that, that one could work out. He, he's pretty good. I like him. So, uh, I think that's kind of what you have for most of this class is, you know, guys that there's not many that I would consider anything close to dead weight, uh, you know, if any, um, you know, this, every class has some that you're like, eh, I mean, I'll be surprised if he's a star, he's a role player, you know, every class has some guys. And like there's that, nothing wrong with that guys need teams need those guys. Absolutely. But, but this class, very, very few of those guys to where you would even suggest that, yeah, he's probably not a two or three year starter. He'll, he'll, he'll do, He'll do some nice things, and that's about it. You know, for the most part, these are there's not many players in this class that I would look at and say, yeah, there's no chance he's a multi-year starter. I mean, they they've all got some upside. Yeah, and and I do. I wanted to mention this earlier when we were talking about um, you know Nathan Laycock. I, I think that that his his size already looks like he's been in a college football program for at least a year, maybe a year and a half, two years. He's a big, big kid. 
And I look at like, if you go back and look at pictures of like Cedric Tillman's first season on campus, and then what he ends up looking like now and how different that is. I mean, you know, this kid's getting a head start on that. He's going to be huge. Um, This kid, when he gets into uh, uh, the Tennessee strength and conditioning program, this is going to be a power forward looking dude. He's, he's big and and he's got long arms and he he can run a little bit. There, there's a whole lot to like uh, about him. And I, I just wanted to mention that because there are some guys in this class that, you go, whoa, like you see him on campus already because some of them are out there practicing. And you're like, you know, you see pictures and you see some little B-roll and you're like, man, that's that's a good looking athlete. Um, but, but when you look at this, Ryan, before we get out of here, because we are extremely impressed for time here, anything in this class position wise where you think Tennessee really needed to do a little bit more? Nothing's ever perfect, but there is there a spot or two where you can go, mm, I think they should have done more there. Uh, well, well, first of all, it's, it's worth noting they're still probably not completely done on the defensive line. We'll see what they decide to do leading up to, to signing day in February, but they, they've already extended one offer uh, out in California the other day um, that, that, that is sort of aimed at, at getting someone um, it, it, who, was, who was capable of signing in February. Um, Sua Lafotu, I believe, is, is mm-hmm. his name. I, I hope I'm not mispronouncing that, but he uh, from out in, out in California at St. John Bosco powerhouse program there, a former Washington commitment uh, just got an offer from Tennessee on Saturday. So that's one they sort of offered him with an eye toward, you know, having an option out there for February. So I think they clearly would like to add one more defensive lineman. Ideally that could always go to a transfer portal guy too, but um, that's, that's at least kind of what they have their sights set on there. So I, I think that's one position where they're still not done one way or the other. And so you, you'd say maybe they came up one short you know, of, of ideal uh, of what the ideal number would have been there, but that's, they've kind of had that problem for a few years now, right? We've seen yeah. them have to kind of repeatedly dip into the portal, uh, just trying to kind of get by yeah. on, on, yeah, figure this out, the, Rodney, figure this out, Rodney here, here, here's some, here, here's some stuff. Go figure it out. Yeah. And it's, and, and Jeremy Pruitt had that problem. It's, it's a tough position to, to get a lot of quality guys and you don't want to have to reach there. So they, they've ended up a little bit short there, but they're, you know, they're not done if they, they, they could certainly end up with uh, with another defensive lineman. Uh, but the ones they have, I think they're, they're, they're pretty happy, happy with. It's just, you have some, you have some positional versatility. You have, um, you have Trevor Duncan, who's, who's maybe a two-way lineman. Uh, I think Nathan Robinson stays on the defensive line, but he, he's an, even a guy that, that might have some positional versatility in the future. So you, you've just got some guys there that you're not totally sure. So it'd be great if you ideally, added one more defensive lineman to this class. And then on the offensive line, I think they ended up okay. But when you consider where they were this summer and people were asking, do they have room for all these tackles? If they can get Francis Malingoa, if they could get Stanton Ramil, if they could get yeah. Lucas Simmons. We had those conversations. We definitely had those conversations. Yeah, and there's just no way to, to look back on that and not think that they didn't come up with as high quality of an offensive line class as what, they, as what it looked like they could have gotten th- this summer at one point. But – I think what they came away with is still pretty good. It's just maybe not as loaded of a class as what it looked like. They if they had gotten one more big time guy, either Malingoa or Lucas Simmons or Stanton Ramil, I think we'd be looking at this as a pretty good offensive line class. As is, it's okay. There's definitely some upside there, but that's one position where I wouldn't say they completely knocked it out of the park just because you had su- such high profile misses there that there was no way for that class to uh to for that position group to to live up to expectations once you missed out on those three back in the summer so not the not the end of the world and i still like vice and lang and i think larry johnson's a nice uh a a nice roll of the dice there coming out of junior college uh, with some long-term upside 
Um, you, you got some nice pieces there. And Bison Lay, I'm glad you mentioned him. I think he's got a real chance to develop into a good guard in the future. I selfishly hope he keeps number five. I loved him wearing number five on the practice field uh, last week when we saw him. But um, but those guys are interesting too. So I don't want to knock those guys at all. I think they really do have some potential. It's just not as high ceiling of a class as what you would have expected that position group to maybe be this summer. Yeah, and, and we'll see. I mean, I, I still think maybe look out in the portal for a lineman, an offensive lineman, especially either side, really, the line of scrimmage. I would keep an eye out there. I think Tennessee might have room to to maybe think it needs to do something there if the right option becomes available. So we'll see. But I think a lot more good than bad for Tennessee today. And and I would say that, you know, um, you know, there's lots more to discuss because I always say that, but there really is. However, we're, we're a little pressed for time. Uh, but the good news is recruiting is a year-round thing now, so that sort of maybe sucks for Ryan's family, but it's good for everybody else because there's always news. So there's always going to be stuff. I mean, you know, this is still just the opening of the signing period. There's February. You know, there's there's still the portal open for a while. So so th- this is not done by by a long shot. No, for sure. And w- one other one I should mention, I, wide receiver, because they, they did swing on Carnell Tate and some other guys at receiver and didn't come away with any of those. And And I think a while back they kind of said, if we don't get just a guy to fill that spot, we're just going to go to the portal. So I, I think they kind of came up one short there, but it's it's with the uh, it's with the understanding that they're absolutely going to the transfer portal to to get some experienced guys to make up for losing Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt. So that's the the beauty of the transfer portal stuff is when you miss out on, on a certain guy at, at a certain position, you don't force the issue anymore. You don't reach on a guy that's got some long term potential. You just say, you know what. We're not gonna. We're not gonna force it. Let's just go to the transfer portal, get somebody a little more experienced, and we'll be fine. We'll 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 plug away at it next year too. Yeah, so yeah, um, and, and we're not. not a, yeah, go ahead. I was say so. It's not a bad situation at all. And the funny thing is, the one position they had taken away from them, uh, safety, was Sylvester Smith. The the numbers are okay enough there that I, I don't think they're too worried about it. You know mm-hmm. that that's not a position where I feel like they came up short. They didn't have to have three safeties in this class, but that it was a luxury they could take at the time and. Now that they lost Sylvester Smith, it's you know it's not the end of the world they lost him, but uh, you know obviously not ideal, but it's not the end of the world, and they can they can still just kind of chip away at the cornerback situation and, and focus on other positions probably a little bit more. Yeah, and the I, the transfer portal is like anything else, Ryan. I, I say this to people all the time. It's like everything else. If you're good at it, um, then it's a net positive for you. If you're not, then it's really going to hurt you. It all depends on if you know how to attack it and, and you need to get breaks along the way, obviously, but if you know what you're doing there and you, you, you get a break here, or there, it's going to help you a lot more than it hurts you. So it, it, that's, that's sort of how I look at it. But nonetheless, I think we're, we're a little bit, um, we're definitely pressed for time. Now. I've got to get over to this arena and get this thing edited during the game, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> hopefully the noise canceling on the, on these headphones work. And uh, Ryan, thanks for your time. I know you're busy too. It's been a long, uh, been a long long road obviously to, to get to this point so uh, at least get one not asleep well we'll see what we can do but uh yeah appreciate the help wes and uh and we'll we'll talk to everyone uh i guess sometime next week yes we will uh, happy holidays guys merry christmas there's that button and now i can say thank you for listening to this edition of the go vols 24 7 podcast we always say that but we always mean it thank you Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find 
interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.